0: Welcome to Success in Brief. I'm your host, Roseanne Filicello. In every episode, we spotlight successful women in the law. We discuss with them their journey to success. We talk about the difficulties and the trade-offs, along with the highlights and the benefits, and about what success means to each of them. We hope to inspire you with these stories on your own path to success. Good morning. Hello, my name is Roseanne Falicello and this is Success in Brief. I'm thrilled today to welcome my friend Elizabeth Malong to today's podcast. Liz is a partner at Ryan and Conlon LLP where she specializes in personal injury cases, insurance defense, and also maintains a commercial practice. Liz is also passionate about mentoring younger attorneys, especially women. Um, Liz, thank you so much for being with us today.
1: Oh, thank you for having me.
0: Uh, Liz also received her BA from Cornell and her JD from Fordham School of Law. And I'm thrilled to speak to Liz uh, today to hear more about her success. Um, So let's jump right in. Um, Liz, what was your path to becoming an attorney?
1: Well, Both uh, my grandfather and my father um, went to Fordham Prep School, Fordham College, and Fordham Law School. Um, So um, it it was kind of instilled in me at a young age, not only to go to law school, but basically to go to Fordham. Um, They were very um, enthusiastic about their... love of the school my dad actually grew up uh, a few blocks from the prep in the college in the bronx and was able to walk to school for all of those years um and um as now as an alumnus of fordham i understand the the strong alumni tie to the school and uh, they were just always very enthusiastic so um, basically, my dad had always told me no matter what I wanted to do in life, he just thought I should go to law school. That it was such a good background for if you didn't even want to be in law to go into business or um, just a great education. And and actually, he didn't practice law. He um, met um, some people in law school, and they opened up um, an insurance brokerage straight out of law school. So he was always a businessman. Um, never really practiced. My grandfather, on the other hand, um, was a DA in the Bronx, um, was a medical malpractice insurance defense lawyer, um, was, uh, a, I think, an assistant deputy commissioner of insurance, was very involved in politics. So basically he was kind of, on, I'm on his path. Uh, <laughs> <amazing>. <laughs> um, a lot of things uh, that I have done in my career kind of mirror what my grandfather did. Uh, and um, so it was just something that I was always encouraged to do um, from a young age. Either there would be a horseback riding instructor or a lawyer. That was really what I wanted to do from like 10 years old. Oh, um,
0: two uh, good, two good options.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I kind of let, I let the horses go, um, but, but then I, um, I did uh, always just have that goal in college uh, to go straight to law school and kind of then figure out my path from there. Um, and then, um, I, just in, in my family, it, my grandfather did start out at the Bronx DA's office. So it was also a thing that, you know, a great place to start your legal career is to start in a DA's office, um, so that you can get that courtroom experience, um, that litigation experience. And, and just actually being a DA is I, I to me, it was my favorite job I've ever had. And I loved it so much um so that was kind of like my next path um in terms of wanting to go to a da's office uh after graduation from law school
0: so let's step back for a minute because um i hear that you know i i appreciate that the you know going to fordham and going to fordham law was sort of in your dna right um i understand that there was somewhat of a surprise or a story behind uh You know when you found out you were accepted to Fordham Law, Um, can you tell us
1: about that? Sure. So, um, (laughs) so after doing um, you know all the applications and and um, getting you know I think I tried to get everything in um, early on. um, I really had Fordham as my my goal and my my uh, that was my dream. actually had because i was at cornell i was in ithaca um which is wonderful and lovely and uh, it can also be very snowy and cold and remote um so i had um like in the earl i didn't even know what a vision board was but i had bought myself these postcards of um new york city central park and i had like papered my wall in my apartment Uh, but we're like at my computer where i was doing all my applications with all these like scenes of new york so that was really like that was my goal but i did you know i applied to other schools as well um and like any good senior in college i went on spring break to cancun mexico (laughs) nice and um and so i just remember my dad Calling me every morning, we'd be out, you know, having fun in Cancun till all hours, and then, you know, eight a.m. I'd get a phone call in the hotel, and uh, my dad would call and say, like, "I'm just waiting for your acceptances to come in the mail," you know, and every and he'd call me and like what came and what school I got into, what school I didn't get into, and then I remember like on the Thursday of being on spring break, he called me and I I got my Fordham acceptance, so I was could be on thrilled, but also, you know, I probably had gotten home at like four in the morning <laughs> and he called me the, you know, bright and early to tell me. So uh, well, sounds them. like
0: a great, but I'll we'll just stick with you. Right. I mean, how could you forget that?
1: I <laughs> no, could never forget. So um, just excited to get back and, and get into it. So
0: that's fantastic. So then after you, you did you went to Fordham and had a great experience, I take it.
1: Um. Yes, oh, such a great school. I, I didn't really understand. Um, I think, you know, I, I know I knew of it from my family and, and um, of its reputation. But um, when I got there and, you know, the motto of Fordham is in the service of others. And I didn't really um, know that that was gonna be kind of my path in the beginning of my career. Um, to be working in the service of others, and they like they really put so much emphasis on public service and um, public interest work, um, and that was really where I made all my friends and my contacts, and um, really like got my start in the in the legal field, and um, so that was really important to me, and that is important to me to this day, um, even though I work in a private firm now. Uh, just um, to have had that background and those experiences were really, um, really important.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's wonderful because it really does shape how you practice the law probably.
1: Yeah, um, well, I was always interested in public service and um, I, I volunteered with many things through the years in terms of, um environmental groups in high school. And um, when I was in college, I trained to be a rape crisis counselor. And um, I did that in college. And then, but then I got to law school and I got involved. Um, they had a public interest resource center, which was um, tremendous. And um, the uh, director of that, uh, Tom Schoenher, who is since retired, um, he was terrific and just such such a joy to work with. And um, really made law school more of um, not just going to class, not just like learning the law, but really participating in the community and, um, and doing things to you know, better the community, better the city and um, you know, to have that experience. So um, it's something that has stuck with me even you know, years later into private practice to, to try to be involved.
0: I think that's important as attorneys. You know, we have a special role in society in some ways because um, we we understand how the law works, and we were taught. You know, we have these skills that we obtain from going to law school, and so it's important to try to use them to help others when we can.
1: Definitely, definitely. Um, you know, um, you're as attorneys, we're in a unique position because we have the background in the law, but we also um, are educated in in the systems and how to navigate the, the court system, and whether it be family court or housing court, or um, where many people don't even have the knowledge as to how to access those courts. Um, so it, it, I think it is important to, to try to give back and, um, and to help because we do have a special knowledge that maybe other people don't have.
0: Mm-hmm. So, you spent um, about three years in the
1: DA's office, is that right? Yep, three years. Um, I was in the Domestic Violence Bureau the entire time that I was there. And I had the privilege of working for um, Charles Joe Hines, um, who was a pioneer in domestic violence prosecutions um, in the, at that time. Um, his mom, unfortunately, his mom was a victim, and so was he, of domestic violence growing up. Um, and he really had put like such a strong emphasis on his domestic violence program in his office. And it, it was <clears throat> regarded uh, nationwide um, at the time and um, just had the best bosses there and, and um, really it's such a great experience working there. Uh, when I was there, um, we were one of the pilot, well, I guess we got a grant um, to do a pilot of uh, the first Family Justice Center um, in the New York area. So I was asked, um, I got the privilege of going to San Diego on a trip, an exploratory trip to uh, observe their Family Justice Center, which would be like an all-in-one uh, criminal family uh, services, everything, one-stop shop for um any victim of domestic violence at the DA's office, um, and they did they did um, open it. I think in 2005 in Brooklyn, and then it became a model for all the other offices throughout the city. Um, but it was really such a such a great opportunity that I got to be involved with that. So
0: it, it sounds like it was probably very intense as well.
1: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Working, um, doing domestic violence prosecution was extremely intense. Uh, you really get involved in the very nitty gritty of people's lives. And sometimes they want you to be involved and sometimes they don't want you to be involved. Um, and it's a very fine line. And, um, it was a position which, um, it was not like nine to five, leave it at the office. Like you worried about these people you know at 3 a.m like what's Mm going to happen to them tonight if something uh goes you know goes awry um and it really was like a 24 hour a day job even if you weren't in the office 24 hours a day you were thinking about it you were working on it um you were worried um so very intense very intense
0: did you ever consider continuing to do crim law um, as a defense, or what did you do right after the DA's office?
1: Um, right right after the DA's office, um, I was looking to do something where I could make some more money, and um, that was really uh, my, my main um, reason for leaving. Um, and it just so happened that, um, so I worked when I was in law school, I worked at a, a small personal injury law firm. It was just one partner, one associate and myself. I was like the sole legal assistant and paralegal. Um, so the associate that I worked with at the time had left and had become partners with two other attorneys. Um, and he is the Conlin of Ryan and Conlin and so when i was looking to leave uh, the da's office we had stayed in touch we were very good friends and um he offered me a job i did not know what insurance defense i didn't know the slightest thing about (laughs) insurance defense or what that meant (laughs) Um, but uh, i was happy to have the opportunity to work with him again and uh, i quickly learned what insurance defense meant i mean we had been on the other side in terms of the plaintiff's work but I, I didn't quite understand how things worked uh, in the insurance world. And um, so I, I really didn't interview for it. I didn't really think about anything else, and I didn't interview for any other jobs. I packed it in at the DA's office and went to go um, work with Ryan and Conlin and one other partner. After about two years, uh, we left that other partner, and then it was Ryan and Conlin from there on in. So, and it's going to be almost, it's almost 20 years. In September, it'll be 20 years. Wow. So almost 20 years and no interviews. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, (laughs) here and there maybe, but. So
0: you, uh, insurance defense and you also do some personal injury work and also some small commercial practice. Um, Of those areas, what is your, you know, what do you favor? Do you have a preference?
1: um well the plaintiff's work i would say is more in line with um the, like the type of work that i had done you know uh, public interest type work um because um you are really advocating for someone who is injured and who has um maybe you know no access or you know um no remedy other than you know to commence a lawsuit so i I do enjoy working with individual people in that way and advocating for them um but i really i like it all i enjoy it i enjoy it all i enjoy litigation um i really used to enjoy being in the courthouse on a daily basis uh the, the last three years is um hasn't been ideal but it's starting to come back um and um, just, you know, the interaction with people. I'm not the type of lawyer who likes to um, sit in the office and uh, write briefs for days on end. I'm, I prefer to be interacting in, either in court or arguing or in depositions or meeting with clients or, or what I would prefer to be in a basement doing a site inspection rather than <laughs> write a brief. <laughs> So I don't I
0: don't know if anyone's ever said that before.
1: <laughs> I spent I spent almost two hours in a basement in Coney Island uh, two weeks ago. So uh, that's on <laughs> sometimes your mind. that's part of my sometimes that's part of my job. No, um, but
0: that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might choose the brief writing over the basement <laughs> inspection, but that's just me.
1: <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs>
0: takes all kinds, right? I mean, there's, a, there's
1: a, a very- You have to have uh, someone who's willing to go into the basement. That Somebody like, has to
0: go, yes. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've had to do that before. I remember I when I first started my um, own practice and I didn't really, you know, I couldn't really pick and choose my clients. And I was actually doing a pro bono case to try to keep my skills fresh while I was searching for clients who could <laughs> pay me. And um, this tenant, had a you know it was a tenant landlord tenant action a business um which i had to learn because i didn't know that area of the law at all and part of it was whether the tenant had been excluded from the space that was promised on the lease um that was like a defense to our you know my client not paying the rent that was due um and so i had to go inspect you know this basement to see if it was adequate for the use that it was supposed to be used for under the lease, so that was interesting. But yeah, it's been a long time. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, in the insurance defense world, quite often we have to go out to see whatever it is that we're, you know, we're defending. Be it, you know, in very mundane crack on the sidewalk, or um, you know, if it's a defective staircase, allegedly defective staircase. <laughs> Um, or a, a remodeled basement, which may or may not have looked like that back in the day or at the time of the accident. So, um, yeah, so we do, we do uh, go on to, especially if you're going to try a case, you want to, um, make sure that you're familiar with the, the scene of the accident. Sure. No matter what it is, whether it's a criminal case and you go out to the scene or whether it's a car accident, you're, you go to the intersection and see what the traffic light is like. Um, it's always uh, it's always important to go take a look at
0: I think that's one thing that when you're in law school, you don't realize how much of your job as an attorney, at least if you're doing litigation, is really going to be almost like an investigator because you have to review the documents. You need to know what happened and try to piece it back together in some semblance and make some sense of it under the law.
1: Yeah, yep. And also when you're, you know, if you're preparing a case for trial, you want to be able to explain to a jury what happened and sometimes without actually seeing it or speaking to all of the witnesses yourself, like just taking it from paper sometimes is hard to assimilate it in your brain so that you can explain it to someone else so um it's it's really important to talk to the witnesses yourself to go see what it is yourself so that you can properly explain it um to a jury in a way that they'll understand and you know be able to to envision it in their minds
0: i think it's a good good lesson for younger attorneys Um,
1: yeah Yep. yeah Just reading a file sometimes is not enough. It's good background to read the file, but really to, if there's any case that I have, like I I have a hard time delegating (laughs) to um, other attorneys, even colleagues. If it's a case that I know it's gonna go very far in litigation and at some point I'm gonna have to argue or um, present I want to make sure I do all of the depositions myself. I want to do the majority of the work on the case myself because then I know it, and then I can easily explain it to someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. It's hard for me if I let somebody else do one of my depositions and then I have to talk about that because I, I'm not going to get it from just reading the transcript or. Um,
0: yeah, you know. that is a challenge, and and you know. Learning to learning to be able to delegate, I think, is a whole other
1: yeah yeah a whole other topic. topic.
0: (laughs) And it does take a a lot of trust between attorneys that, and not only trust but sort of similar mindset, right? Because you need to make sure that they're asking the same kinds of questions that you would ask Mm -hmm. um, at a deposition, for instance. Like so, correct. That's interesting. Um, so what other challenges other than, you know, the delegation <laughs> have you faced as an attorney, uh, in your
1: career? Um, other challenges, I would say, um, anytime I take on some a project or something that I haven't really, uh, done before a new type of law, um, when I first got admitted to federal court, I would say just like navigating the federal court system and um, federal practice because I, I really, I, although obviously I took civil procedure in law school, um, I, I jumped right into state court in criminal court um, in the DA's office. And then, um, and then uh, in my practice, we really didn't have that many federal court cases um it was really only when i um started taking on some commercial work that we started being in federal court more often um and uh which i do really enjoy i, I really enjoy being in federal court it's such a different um different experience different atmosphere different uh, there's a lot of differences um about it but um it's only I would say I, I think I got admitted to federal court about um ten years ago. So um that was just something, you know, and it, it's not difficult. It's just different. Um it's just trying to remember back to civil procedure. <laughs> um, <yeah. laughs> it's so much easier than the CPLR. <laughs> it totally is. I it's just I hadn't done it in so long. Yeah. Um so those kind of things. Um and the, and the judges are very serious about following the rules and the judges' rules, which is great, because sometimes in state court, that is actually not the case, so. Um, yeah,
0: sometimes it's harder when the judges um, or the clerks seem to make up the rules as they go along, which right. is sometimes fine in state court. I won't name yeah. names.
1: <laughs> that was quite often the case as when I started out um, in the DA's office, the criminal court judges, um, quite often had their own way of doing things and their own rules. And, um, it was just basically from judge to judge, you kind of just had to find your way. Um, so I, I was kind of used to that. to the chaos <laughs> versus the order, <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, so that was something, you know, anytime, um, just trying anything new, um, you know, new areas of law and new, Um, a different type of fact pattern, because a lot of the types of cases that I handle have handled in the 20 years uh, that I've been at my firm are very similar type of cases. So you kind of get like in a groove of, oh, this is a ceiling collapse. This is a car accident. This is a rear end. This is, um, so, It's always challenging when you take on something a little bit different. Um, And um, I mean, just navigating, I would say, our profession in general is always a little bit of a challenge, and personalities um, that you come into contact with, and dealing with the various personalities, good and bad um both in your own firm and in other people's firms and adversaries and judges and um we have a very varied uh, profession in terms of people's personalities and um, i would say on the most part very congenial great people to work with Um, but there's always the outliers
0: (laughs) there's always those few right
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I've had to deal with some of those in my career. So, um, you know, that's sometimes a challenge as well.
0: Sometimes you seem to walk into the courtroom and the judge has just gotten up on the wrong side of the bed or or something. No matter what you say or how correct you are on the facts of the law, um, it's not gonna be your day that day.
1: (laughs) Right, correct, correct. I've had, um, I mean, I you know, as I'm sure have you, I, I've dealt with some situations in my career where you know you have an adversary that you're in a discussion with, and they, they get very loud, <laughs> or you know, um, insulting, or loud, or mean, or you know, and yeah, um, trying to bully you, you basically. Yeah, and you kind of have to just let it roll off your back and not sink to their level. Um, but i've had situations where i've had attorneys on the phone um quite recently with um, my paralegals who have gotten very upset you know my uh, you know tears because they were spoken to in a certain Mm -hmm. way um which is just not acceptable but it's hard because as someone who's been practicing for a while I hate to say you get used to it, you know, but maybe you get used to it and you just don't let it bother you um, as much as you know, younger, um, the the younger paralegals and people starting out in the profession, which maybe could take it a little bit personally. You kind of just can't let take it personally. That's
0: yeah. I guess for good I'm or not- bad, you become hardened to
1: it a bit. So right, right. So um, so yeah, dealing with personalities, I would say, is sometimes a challenge, also.
0: So something I love about you, Liz, is that you continue to take on new challenges, including um, that you recently sat for the Delaware Bar and passed. So first of all, congratulations! Oh, thank uh, you. And also, like, tell us a little bit about that. You know, what what uh, drove you to sit for the Delaware Bar, and you know, what was the experience like 20 years plus after the fact of? first taking this New York bar.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, so it was a little bit of a journey. Um, I have um, some very close family and friends in the Delaware, Maryland area. And I've been spending a lot of time down there in the last um, 10 years or so. And so just getting the idea of what the future might hold, wanting to open up some possibilities for myself in the future. kind of took it upon myself, um, not only to take the Delaware bar, but also to get admitted in Maryland, which actually Maryland um, was much easier because as an attorney, an already admitted attorney, um, they actually changed their law um, right when I was looking to get admitted. Um, They did used to require an exam. Uh, It was like a one-day attorney exam. Um, But right when I was applying, they um, uh, the clerk or actually called me and said, um, we're changing, we're changing the law in the next six months. Do you want to just withdraw your application and put it in? And six months from now, you can just, you'll just be able to do like an online thing, like open book online test, uh, versus like studying and, and actually taking a test. So I, of course I said, yes, yeah, sure. I no, no rush <laughs> so I my application. And then I just did the, um the little online thing, which was, was great. And I did that before COVID. Um, but the funny thing was when I went to put my application in for that, and then also when I was putting my application for Delaware, um, my, I couldn't access my, um, uh, MPRE score anymore, the professional responsibility, because it was so old. Um, And I guess they've changed the passing score since we took it anyway, Um, So, and I didn't know what it was, and I had nothing to tell me what it was, and I couldn't find it. So I had to retake the MPRE. So that was the first thing I had to do um, in my journey after having passed the little online thing for Maryland. Um, But I took the MPRE. like right before the world shut down, like March thirteenth, twenty twenty. Oh wow! In a room where um, it was cram- <laughs> crammed in room, you know, like th- probably like the germiest place in all of New York City on March thirteenth, twenty twenty, with these people on computers, and that was a- so. I had never really taken any of those tests on a computer. Um, no back in the day i when i took the mpre it was in a you know with a blue book probably in a um you know it wasn't at javits but it was in a like a um gym somewhere so um just like having to take it on the computer and the stress of whatever and and also knowing that i'm um i think i'm a very ethical attorney but like needing to know what the rules of professional responsibility were again to pass a test on it. I was worried, God forbid I didn't pass that right? How horrible does that look for my current career? <laughs> so the pressure was on but did I did pass I got a- <laughs> and um, so that so I got admitted to Maryland and then um, I had my application in for Delaware, which is they don't have any little nice uh, open book. 50 questions test. You, you have to, it's very involved for Delaware. So it was a huge challenge. I was ready to take it on in 2020 and then they just canceled the whole exam. I had started studying, um, signed up for Barbary again. Oh my goodness. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of States canceled or postponed their exams. New York postponed, I think until the fall and, um, Actually, one of my paralegals was taking her second bar. She was looking to move to um, uh, Louisiana. So she was taking the Louisiana bar, and her bar got postponed. But Delaware only gives it once a year, and um, they just canceled it outright. There was no reschedule, and um, they put it over to 2021. So I had started studying, and then I had stopped, and then I uh, started again the following year. And then that test was also on the computer, videotaped. They have like a camera on you. Oh my um, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, when I took the bar exam 20 years ago, it was on paper at the Javits yeah. Center. And, you know, you went. Um, so, no, this test, you were sitting there, you were being videotaped the whole time, you couldn't look away from the camera. You Can like reach over to something um and it was three days
0: oh my goodness
1: and um and they and since i had taken the bar exam they now have these um practical uh tests they call it the mpt like the um multi-state practice test uh, which we had never taken or i had never taken and uh, so you have to do like a lawyerly um thing, like write a memo or uh, write a letter to a client or something of that nature. And um, so another thing where I was like, if I can't pass this part of the test, (laughs) what have I been doing for the last 20 years, but then also the pressure, you know, um, it also seems,
0: you know, a practicing attorney, you feel like you should wave be able to wave that part of the, the test.
1: Yeah, huge, it would be training. nice but they didn't there was no um they weren't waving anything so um so anyway um long story short i i passed i was very happy and uh, i was able to get admitted last year and um so I, I was very proud of myself um it's a small um community of lawyers in delaware and i i got to sign the original book that john adams has Signed. He's number two in the in the role. Oh, wow. And um, I'm number six, nine, eight, nine. So it's very small compared to the number of attorneys that we have in New York. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, it's uh, I'm sure I don't know the numbers of how many people take the bar exam and pass in New York each year. But it's um, it's about it's very small, it's very small community. So they're super honored to be uh, among the. The Delaware bar these days.
0: Yeah, and I imagine the number of women who are members of the Delaware bar is even more minuscule. <laughs> uh,
1: yes, I don't know the percentage, but um, i I think it is, I would say. they 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 are making a tremendous um, push in Delaware. Um, they have a, a tremendous number of women on in the judiciary. Um, and they really, um, actually, attending a conference later this week—a um, uh, women, uh, a women bar conference in Delaware uh, that I went to last year. Um, so it is a, it's a very um, tight knit group.
0: Yeah, I'm sure.
1: It's so small. They a lot, everybody knows each other, and but a lot of members of the judiciary are female. Well, that's
0: that's an important. Um... It also shows the importance of maybe having a female uh, litigator, um, you know, representing you because there is, you know, there is something to um, seeing um, someone else, you know, seeing the same in front of you. Right. I think that sometimes for instance, um, when we go to court, even here in New York, depending on the case, either my partner who's a, a male or I will argue depending on the judge, because sometimes there is that inherent bias that, you know, is not, really intentional but exists and if you know that or can read that you, you should probably use it to your advantage client yeah. yep
1: okay. that's our feeling which
0: might be a little bit controversial but...
1: <laughs> i agree whatever works <laughs> no, it's I mean, I mean, I if you look that up you know your ju- oh my judge went to fordham oh we have that in common my job you know um whatever
0: you have in common you need to try to you know to use it for your use it's your, to your advantage.
1: advantage definitely definitely definitely
0: so let's see um we've gone over your background your new uh delaware mm-hmm. uh, bar which is super exciting um, what do you value most about having your law degree
1: um I mean, I think that I, I value like all of the hard work that has gone into it, um, and um, I'm a little like proud of myself for having done what I what I've done through the years in terms of school and um, how hard it was to get. I, I don't know that like sometimes. There's so many lawyers, right? So, um, especially like we said in New York, there are so many lawyers, but it's really hard work to do well in college and to get into law school and um, and then to have success in, in whatever area of law you're you're looking to practice. Um, so I think I, I value, I'm just grateful and I value the whole the package of, what it's taken me to get here and um what it takes every day to keep going and um you know and learning new things and like i said uh, my little challenge for myself during the covid times of getting admitted in in other states um i think uh you know i just i i'm grateful and i i value my degree from fordham and my um history there with my family and um the alumni connections that um the school that i have with the school and um and just you know being able to give back to um young lawyers and um lost you know people who are looking to be law students um like you're doing like what giving the benefit of your experience um to others to you know put them on a path So that's really that's really it. I have um, I have a paralegal working for me now. Who's le- this is her last week. She's off to start her law school journey. Um, she's uh, taking the LSAT and studying for that. And um, so I've been trying to give her all my worldly <laughs> advice, <That's wonderful. laughs> paying it forward a bit. That's awesome. That's yeah, great. Um, Sometimes she listens to me, sometimes she doesn't, but that, you know, that I just feel like we have, everybody um, who is practicing has, like you say, like has a story um, and has a journey that's gotten them to where they are. And I think it's very beneficial to um, the younger generation to just hear what other people's paths and stories are and um, to get encouragement and um, you know, maybe a little kick in the, you know what, to uh, do what they need to do. And, um, so
0: I, I love that. And I, I love that everyone actually has a, a bit of a different story, you know, and it, it actually is not cookie cutter. And I think that that's actually amazing. Yep.
1: Yeah. And, and even in practice, everybody has a different story, right? Like mm-hmm. who has kids and has an obligation to run home and make sure that They get fed and they (laughs) go to their activities. And then, who has, you know, um, their, you know, other activities or, you know, their own, like, uh, you know, uh, extracurriculars in terms of their law practice and their um, volunteer uh, obligations and everything else. Everybody has, like, a different um, story, not only backstory, but, like, day to day story of how they make it work in their practice. And, everybody has their own challenges, whether they're like caring for an elderly parent or, you know, someone who's ill or, um, you know, however we all make it work um, is important to hear. It's encouraging to others who might be in the same situation, so.
0: Yeah, and that, that leads actually to my next question is that I know you do have a wonderful full life outside of work as well, and how do you balance it all? Do you feel like you're balancing it or, you know, how do you juggle it, I guess? Might be the better term. <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> well, I will say, uh, although I am um, disappointed to not be in court as often, I will say that the whole um, ch- the changes that have come about as a result of COVID in terms of um, having more flexibility with the work from home. Um, Situation. I was always a big proponent of work from home because for me personally, I I am tremendously more productive if I'm working from home uh, Because I don't have anyone coming in my office and bothering me and ringing me and this and, that and this question um, If I can just not talk to anybody for a day, I can get so much work done um, So I will say I, I think um, it's the My partners were a little bit slow to come around to the work from home, Um, because in their mind, if you weren't in the office, you weren't working, Um, which was uh, never my, that was never me. I was always the person, I'm going to work no matter where. You're Um,
0: self-motivated to work, so you don't need
1: to start. And and I know what needs to be done, and I can get it done sometimes way more efficiently if I'm not in the office. so that has been a tremendous help to me in balancing everything that I have going on um, in terms of the flexibility of today, I can work from home, tomorrow I'll be in the office, managing my schedule that way. Um, I, it's made me extremely productive and um, it's it just really has, um, has, has been terrific. And, and I'm sure you see, I don't have any kids, but I have uh, two nieces and two nephews and so i do like to go to the dance recital or the theater um production or whatever it may be and if it happens to be on you know thursday at five o'clock and it's in westchester and i live in manhattan if i can work from home in the day and then get out of here a little bit early um, i can make it to things like that which is um terrific because i don't have to take a whole day off from work or i don't have to um miss it um so uh, i get to go i get to go to all the things and i still get all my work done and um so that's been really um really really great in in managing schedules and stuff um and you know like going to a conference like a like a cle or like the, the women's bar conference um with the ability to work from home and work remotely and you know if there's a break i can work for an hour and i can do whatever and then i can work at night and um and i don't mind working on the weekends or um whenever as uh as long as i can fit it all in so
0: yeah no i i do think that's a great thing about our profession that we're lucky because our our work doesn't really require us to be somewhere it's not like you know if it's someone who works at the grocery store, if they're not at the grocery store doing their, they can't do their job. We actually are, you know, have this huge benefit that yep. we can get our work done, usually as long as
1: we have a computer,
0: you know, right. of some sort, which is, uh, you know, it's a huge luxury. So, yeah.
1: Really it's can. a little different with litigation, especially now that things are, you know, back, coming back in person sure. because uh, there will be in-person court appearances and what, and, trials and whatnot but you know that's on a rare that's it's pretty rare even it's so not every day no right and then you work around that so
0: yeah no i mean that's that's huge i know during the pandemic you know the for the first I'd recently we mentioned off camera that you know i have a westchester office that we we got that during the pandemic for the first i don't know six or seven months i was working in my uh, bedroom of my house, because I didn't have another. We had one office, but my husband was using that. And so I was working on the bedroom. And so we, I took an office in Croton, uh, where I live, so that it would you know, be able to um, have a place to go to and actually practice, because working literally from my house wasn't working with three children. <laughs> right,
1: You have a different situation, right? <laughs> <laughs> totally I, I get that yeah but also then you didn't have the commute right because that's the other thing so when you have a busy extracurricular life that's not just your job the hours that you spend doing any kind of commute where you can't be multitasking and working at the same time is such wasted time in a day um and if you have to drive, you, you really like all you can do, which you really aren't supposed to be doing, but is be on the phone, right? So <laughs> make some calls if you know if you're driving. Um, but uh, like if you're on a you know train, whatever you can, and to get some work done. But those those hours of commuting, um, if you shave those off, it's, it's huge because there's so much other stuff you can do.
0: Yeah. No, it's it's a big it's a big saver.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, we have three rap, that are supposed to be rapid fire questions. They don't always turn out that way, but they supposed to be to wrap up. The first one okay. I think you might have already answered, but I'll see if your answer is any different now. Um, if you couldn't be an attorney and didn't go to law school, what career would you have chosen?
1: Oh, okay. So you were gonna hold me to the horseback riding instructor, right? <laughs> <laughs> now you can choose something else. Oh, okay. <laughs> um i think i would probably work in like a store some kind of retail fashion um selling things Mm. um that i I actually it's funny i had a passing thought about this the other day I, i really like i do have a passion for um not just shopping for myself but also for helping others in selecting their purchases i really do i think i would enjoy that a lot um whether it be clothing or furniture or anything. I think I would like to be in some kind of a retail job.
0: Like a buyer?
1: Yeah, buyer. We're gonna be a buyer for a department store or something. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, um, number two. What is the one thing you wish you knew um, before you graduated law school that you know now? Um. Or like when you graduated law school? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, You know, I was I was pretty fortunate because I had um, such a good dad who really like propelled me in in very good directions in terms of putting me on the track for my career. But I think um, I'm like a a worrier. Like I worry about everything, and sometimes like to the extreme. Like I'm just my personality. so I think I would want to know, like, that it kind of like all works out the way it's supposed to. Um, maybe you don't get into the school that you thought you wanted to go to, but you get into another school, and guess what? That school winds up like opening up doors that you never even thought, you know, you never imagined. And then you meet someone else, and it leads to meeting someone else, and it puts you on the path. Like, I think I would just want to know, like, not to stress so much about the small stuff. Um, and that it's, it will work out like the universe has your back. It's, it's gonna, it'll work out the way it's supposed to It'll work out.
0: I like that. That's yeah. also a common thread I've heard from others. And I, I think one that's really important for younger people to hear repeatedly that, you know, getting one question wrong on your LSAT or. You know, going to a different place, school, or taking a different job. You know, it's it's okay. Like your, you know, your career's not in the water at the beginning. Like you can change. You can things. It's not
1: defined by that one score or that one test or that one. um, You know, if you didn't get the score on your LSAT that you wanted to get, because you really wanted to go to Harvard, you know. It, it's not that's not gonna be the end
0: <laughs> I don't know if the eye roll will come through and then
1: <laughs> I mean I did go to law school I undergrad with someone who wanted to go to Harvard and sh- and she got in she got in so and she turned them down actually I, I will say um, but you know that's that's a great goal that but um, but then sometimes you wind up going to a different school and life works out better than you could have imagined because you went to that other school versus, you know. So you just don't know, like, to, to just not um, sweat the small stuff and, and keep, keep going, just keep moving forward and, uh, and it will work out. Don't that. let it defeat you.
0: And would you recommend a law career to women considering law school today?
1: Yes, definitely. I think it's a tremendous career. For anyone, but especially for women, and um, and there's so much there's so much room in the profession for women, um, and I would say need for women in the profession, um, and and I and like we said, I, I think there's more flexibility in the profession these days than there was perhaps 10, 20 years ago, um, so in terms of you know having a family life and a work life, um, there definitely um, is so much opportunity. So yes, I would. Great.
0: Thank you so much for being with us today, Liz. This has been so much fun.
1: Okay, thanks so much for having me. It was wonderful. You've been listening to Success In Brief with your host, Roseanne Felicello. Thank you for your positive reviews, comments, and sharing the show with others. You can catch prior episodes at www.fellicellolaw.com and on
0: YouTube, LinkedIn, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more.